Welcome to a space where your voice, your experience, and your truth matter. You should come prepared for authentic, deep dives into topics that embody all walks of life with the goal of creating positive change. No matter who you are or where you're from, we're glad you're here to share in the conversation and can't wait to hear your story. I am Coach Fred. I'm Uncle C. I am Aaron Kinzer. I am Javon. And this is Safe Spaces and Faces. Oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, what's up? What's good, y'all? It's FTC. Uh, back with another conversation, a very important conversation. We've been talking a lot about identifying our traumas in different seasons of our life, different walks and different aspects of those traumas as it relates to each one of us. And one of the things that comes through the process of healing is learning how to be authentic. It takes just as much of a process learning to be authentic, I think, or at least it has for me, as it has unpacking the trauma itself. It can get a little overwhelming at times, really trying to unpack and learn. It hurts because you really have to be willing to get down and dirty with some of the deepest parts of yourself in order to be authentic. But Fred, I've got to say, when when you and I first started talking, one of the things that I noticed immediately, not only about your platform, but just in the conversations that we had was that you really were striving to not just live this front of an authentic lifestyle for, you know, whatever your endeavors were, but you genuinely came forward and you're like, hey man, you know, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm trying to do. And it really sort of like made that friendship gel really fast. Why did you choose a platform of be authentic? What does that mean for you? And how does that apply to your family, your personal endeavors and your work life? Expound on all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, when you first reached out to me about doing this podcast, what a lot of our listeners don't understand, Auntie, is that you had reached out and said, hey, I have this podcast idea. And you have to understand my DMs are full of people that say the same thing. And one of the things that is a test for me when I speak with people is, are you willing to be your, your real truthful self? Not some front, not some polished version, but are you willing to be truthfully yourself and expose yourself, be vulnerable because we're all humans, right? Uh, one of the most important things that helped me on my journey, 2016 is when I decided to get online and like share my experiences with people because I got tired of seeing so much fakeness and it started with Facebook. I remember in 2016, I wanted to try an endeavor with being an entrepreneur in terms of trading Forex, you know, and one of the things I kept seeing with other people that traded Forex was they were all having this experience of they were all making all this money and everything was great. And look at all the, the things I can do and vacation. And I'm like, but I'm not having that same experience. I'm having a lot of troubles. And yeah, I've made a little bit of money, but I seem to lose money and I don't have a grip on it like everybody else's. There's something wrong with me, right? And what I found out was a lot of these people would get exposed by others. No, this person really isn't like that because they text me asking me for money the other day or they show a screenshot of something else. And I said, why can't people just be authentic? Why can't they just be real? Like we're all humans. We all have experiences where we don't feel our best. Why can't people just be truthful about that, right? And so... That's when I said, you know what, I'm I, I'm going to be real. Being authentic means I'm willing to share my fuck ups with y'all. I'm willing to share when I slip up or when I mess up because that's being human. 
like, yo, bro, I got a family and look, I'm a dad, but sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. Does anybody else feel the same? <laughs> and a lot of people would come to me and be like, man, I'm so glad you said that because I felt like I have to be a certain way. And I'm, and I said, well, I'm glad I was able to make you feel comfortable. So on this journey of my own authenticity, I started to feel like I was a voice for people that were maybe afraid to speak their own truth because they were afraid to get judged. For me, it became a, I don't know if you want to call it a crusade. It became this sort of thing where I was like, okay, I need to define what authenticity means then. This means that you have to become vulnerable. Just be human. And so it all became a diagram that I wanted to create as sort of a basic outline for people that wanted to be real, be themselves, and willing to share their stories. Share what happened to you because I guarantee you somebody else can learn from that. You have to go through a series of things before you're willing to be your true self where you're not bullshitting yourself, but you're comfortable being you. And that's right. the ultimate goal. Really quick for the people, though, how can they get in touch with you on the socials if they want to find out more about your authentic family? They can find me on any social media platform at The Real Fred Lee anywhere. Um, if you can't find me on it, I it's probably new or it doesn't exist. When we were just talking right before we started recording, you had said, Fred, that a lot of people don't really make it to that point of being authentic because they're not willing to expose their faults, their flaws. They're not willing to deal with that. How did you get to a point where you were able to be vulnerable enough to find those those areas in your own life? That way you could actually live that out. Well, that's a good question. We all feel inadequate when we're not where we want to be. And it is at that moment that you have to say to yourself, I'm not the only one. And in that moment, you feel like the only one. For example, for me, it's parenting and being married. And the reason why I say that is because there are moments where I have with my kids where I'm like, man, I feel like I'm a bad dad, bro. Like I, I don't have enough time with this kid or that kid, or I got angry at that kid and I yelled at that kid and I'm just having a bad, I feel like a terrible parent. Like what other parent doesn't feel like that? Or man, I'm not making the money I want to make and we're struggling and we're just trying to make ends meet and make the rent. What other family doesn't feel like that? So right. I give you those examples because at that moment, man, I'm struggling, is where we bury ourselves. Number one, identify when you feel inadequate to give yourself grace and say, you know what? No, man, there's a lot of other people that feel like that. I think really at the core of being able to find those areas, you you have to be comfortable getting alone with yourself and really finding your way through that process of introspection and self-reflection. Aaron, in your process through self-reflection, how did you break down these barriers and really come to your authentic self? And how are you using that self-discovery now that you're out in the work that you're doing, speaking to students and doing this poetry and things like that? Well, I come from a background of uh, in the church, you know, and, and I spoke at length about the church and my experiences. But one great positive experience that I take from that is that I was around people who were being their authentic self. And I come from a culture of testimony, you know, where people were seeking deliverance from their past, from their from their pain and trauma. And they shared that every every afternoon service, there was testimony service. So as a teenager, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I witnessed these people talk about their struggles and talk about being delivered from their trauma and being transparent and sharing their battles with with uh, the past and the healing. And so that was embedded into me. Well, I got away from that. 
got into the life, got into the streets, got indicted, went to prison. And while in prison, I was able to draw from those experiences and perform large amounts of lengthy self-reflection and perform introspection on myself and ask myself, what did I do? Like, like, what am I made of? Who am I? You know what I mean? And what did I really do to the community that I was involved with? And what was my role in harming people? And I had to be honest with myself that I hurt people, that I really brought pain to people's lives and seeking financial gain by selling drugs, by selling cocaine, by selling crack cocaine, by selling Oxycontin, by selling ecstasy, by selling any illegal drug that I could get my hands on. And I did not care who it hurt. I had to say that to myself, own that, and then be willing to say it in the most rawest form possible. This really happened. I really had that attitude. And now that I'm out, I have a duty to pay it forward and be like, yo, listen, I did this. I did this. I caused this hurt. And now I have a job to rectify that situation. So now I'm using my ability to speak and articulate my position to paint a picture of the worst parts of me to use it as a catalyst for change in other people's lives. Hopefully prevention to prevent children from going into a life of crime and prevent that teenager who wants to get some money because he can't get Christmas at home because he can't get birthday gifts. So the outlet for selling drugs is very, very tempting when you can go pick up 5,000 cash, 3,500 in cash, 10,000 in cash in 20 minutes, blow it all and go pick it up again the same night. It's available and those options are there. So it's my job to make sure that the teenagers and people who are tempted to do that don't do that. There's an end game that they don't know exists. They don't believe it's real, but I know it's real. I know that they will be hidden in some far off rural county somewhere in America and they'll be forgotten about. Now I'm using my poetry. I build myself as an impact poet, right? Because I like the right stuff that really hits people in the chest about American culture, Black culture, prison culture, history, and it's my duty to write about it in a preventive way as a tool to have an impact. And so I've been allowed to be able to share my story from the stage through my poetry and just talking to kids at some schools and whatnot and being able to let them know, like, yo, don't be like me, man. You want with the, uh, the artists and what you see on TV and Instagram, you want to live your best life, but don't do it like that. So now it's become a mandate, a personal mandate within myself to do that and tell my story in the rawest form. But first, it involved long, long, long hours of honest and true introspection so that I could be an authentic person when I talk and that someone could really feel that, like, man, I really believe you. You know what I mean? I, I need to be believed, but that means I got to tell it from the heart. I got to be honest with myself so I can be honest with everybody else. Uh, what is that process of introspection for you, though? Man, the process is really it's really asking the questions. It, it starts with the question. The right answers come from the right questions. And sometimes asking those questions can be difficult because you don't want the answers to some of them. I had to be honest with myself that, like, looking back on my teenage uh, uh, in my 20s, I was an uncaring, sometimes piece of shit. I didn't care about little Dante's mom or, or little Bobby's mom. I didn't care about their dad. When I know that they brought me the, the PlayStation, that they brought me the family computer, they brought their car to me. And I made I made a deal. I gave them a gram of crack cocaine for a whole car, the family car, the only car. They sold it away. And I didn't care. I did not care that those children and that family now have no car. That child now have no PlayStation or no Xbox 
I'm getting laptops with the family pictures on it. I didn't care. So, so the process of introspection began with asking myself the true, honest questions with like, yo, who were you? What were you doing? What damage have you caused to people? And can you be honest with yourself? They're like, yo, you were a piece of shit. You didn't care about the damage you caused and hurt people's lives. And can you own that? Can you admit that publicly? And now can you tell it to somebody else in a way to help them understand that that is not the way they want to be? Bro, all of that. One of the most important things that he said, and this was something that I that we all go through right around 2015, where I, I just things weren't going the way I wanted them. And I remember being in the parking lot and I literally sat there asking myself just questions. I call this the no bullshit process. You can't bullshit yourself. There would be times I, I would say, am I being a good father? Nope. Like I know that I know that answer. Right. right. And, and the reason why I say that is because at that moment, when you accept the truth without trying to, well, it's because it is and that and, and the third. No, man, you know the truth. The quicker you can accept that hard, painful truth, you can move forward and say, OK, now how do I fix that? And right. what he just said, he knew that he was taking people's laptops and all that. At that moment, him asking him, that, I can tell you right then, he knew he felt the pain at that moment when he was being reflective because now you're forced to sit there and deal with it. And when you're forced to deal with it, you can't bullshit yourself and you in a corner. You did that to yourself. Now, if you can admit that, it's quicker that it can heal. Yeah, facts, facts, facts. It starts with accountability mm -hmm. to self. And like Fred said about being a good father... I was in my 20s and I was a young single father, very active in my oldest child's life. I was a young, active father. However, I was a young, active, drug-dealing father. So I had this four-year-old, this five-year-old, this six-year-old in the back seat, in the, in the carrier, in, in the booster seat with a sippy cup. And we're going to McDonald's. But while we're at McDonald's, I'm meeting somebody to sell nine ounces of cocaine, nine ounces of crack. Pounds of weed in my car. They're getting it out the parking lot. I'm exposing my child to the to the environments where drug dealing is going on, where police are doing raids, where people are having shootouts sometimes. I'm exposing this child to that. I'm with her. She sees me. Oh, you're such a nice father. She's so cute. But look where I'm at. I'm, a, I'm taking her along for a drug deal where I could potentially get shot or killed or arrested by the police and she gets sent to foster care. That's the flip side of the coin that I had to address by myself. Right. In prison, right. guys run from it. People run from that. They run from the mirror and they don't want to look in that mirror because what they see is a scary sight. Right. And the material wealth that I gained from that allowed me to overlook the pain that I was inflicting on my own children. So the process begins, umpty, with accountability. A person has to take accountability for themselves and you have to be honest. You got to say, yo, I have done and been involved with some messed up things. Let me own it first and foremost. Let me forgive myself and then let me use that, use that story and use that narrative to try to touch someone else's life. And, and, and that's what I'm on is to try to make somebody else uh, realize they don't have to go to prison. They don't have right. to face a near, a near death experience in order to do that self-reflection that I was able to do. Right. There's a way to do it and a way to get past and a way to grow and become an authentic person and be your most authentic self without experiencing what I experienced. And that's my goal and purpose in speaking and being out there and being involved in the community and with my poetry and things like that. And, and that's the goal, to touch somebody's life. Well, your your Facebook fan page, Aaron One Love Kinzer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron One Love yeah. Kinzer. Yeah, I definitely need to check it out. He's definitely got a word, man. And you definitely got a story. And I'm glad you're here. And I know we're all excited to see you grow too. So I'm glad that you have found that place of authenticity. And I'm glad that you are using it to perpetuate more authenticity moving forward.
there's there's another aspect of being authentic from my perspective. Growing up, I was in the closet. I was hiding that I was in the closet. So until I came out in 2010, I was living under a masquerade of inauthenticity. I always knew because of my attraction to men of color that I was going to be extraordinarily shamed by my family. So there was another layer of inauthenticity. I was incredibly insecure. I never allowed myself to be the center of attention. I never put myself out there. And I really never let my true personality come out because I was ashamed of my weight. Then the people in my life that had different expectations of who I was supposed to be, and those were added layers of inauthenticity. So for me, identifying these areas of inauthenticity really involved unpacking and peeling away all of the layers of who my ex-fiance said I should have been, or who my dad and his family thought I should have been, or my peers in high school thought I should have been. And I didn't realize that until I got to a point in 2019, whenever I had my diagnosis, literally in the hospital, and I had lost my relationship, my family, my career... It was only then that I realized up until 2019, from the time I was born in 1991 to 2019, everything was under this guise of inauthenticity. It was really learning who Christopher was. And I didn't have an answer for that. So I'm still really new in this journey of understanding who I am. I really just had to get to a point of saying, okay, well, I know this is everything that I'm not. So once I was able to finally sort through and peel away all of these layers of what everyone else thought that I should have been, then it was like starting from the ground up. Like, well, okay, so who am I? So if you're in a place where you feel like you're being held back from being your authentic self because of the expectations of others, you have to understand that these expectations are doing nothing but holding you hostage from actually reaching that pinnacle moment of being who you really are. And it really just takes getting to the point of saying, fuck it. And learning to pour into yourself, figuring out who it is that you are, what it is that you love. It's only been recently that I've actually started figuring out what it is that I like because my entire life has been me being a chameleon to blend in, go with the flow all of my life. And all of my external factors were contributing to who Chris was and none of it was internal or genuine. So it's like, I literally had to start over. What are my likes? What are my interests? I don't even know. It has been a damning journey of really trying to figure out what it looks like to be authentic, to be genuine. I'm just somewhere kind of in the mess of learning what it means to be real. And Javon, we were talking about how you had all of these external expectations that you felt on your life. What has that journey for you been like unpacking those layers of those expectations? And how have you really worked to find your authentic self? Honestly, that journey has been a little weird. One of the conversations that I've had a while ago, one thing he said was, We've been together for two years, almost two years, and I feel like I don't know who you are. I feel like you probably have no idea. Therefore, how can I know if you don't know? And honestly, that was kind of profound failing like, at that moment. Like, I needed to hear that. 
not only did he say it, but there were people that were around me who have said that exact same thing. So I had no choice but to sit there with my own thoughts. You kind of get to a point where it's like, well, shoot, like maybe I need to really dive deep. Maybe I'm just a fool because like you, Chris, like I had that journey of realizing that a lot of the things that I liked or a lot, a lot of the things that I did or that I enjoyed were things that other people mm-hmm. around me liked. Yeah. I think after a time, it kind of, my own journey of discovering who I was kind of got lost because I, again, started to kind of assimilate to what everybody else wanted me to be not who I am as a person. My identity, I don't really have an identity because a lot of times my identity has rested in other people. Mm, I feel that. Are you a gay man first? Are you Black? I realized that I myself didn't know the parts of me that I should have known at the age that I was when I started going to therapy, especially. Or when I started to really be out on my own in this big world, because it was like, damn, like, I don't know any part of myself. I know my social security number. I know my phone number, who my mama is, my daddy is, who my family is. And I know they love me, but they want me to be somebody that I'm not. You know what I mean? The people around me want me to be someone that I'm not. I kind of had to deal with the aftermath of that. Nobody else did. I had to deal with it. I had to like break down all of those expectations that they had for me. Even now at at 29, I'm like, okay, (laughs) we got to figure this out. I think that's why I struggle so much when it comes down to career, to struggling to really understand what it is that I want to do, because I think that I spent a long time trying to figure that out. I spent a long time doing things that people told me to do simply because I wanted to appease them or reflect the version of me that they had in their head. And unfortunately, that led me down a path of really not understanding myself enough to know what it is and have something set in stone to be like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. This is the path that I'm going to take. And now, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm dealing with the aftermath. Nobody else is, but I am. Right. And it sucks. What do you do actively to be more and more authentic every day? What does that process look like for you as you're actively discovering yourself? I tell myself the truth. Mm-hmm. That's really the only way to do it for me. What do you do with it whenever it's so fucking uncomfortable? How do you take that? How do you digest it? How do you implement it then once you realize it? Sit in it. That's really the only thing you can do. Right. You have to sit with your own thoughts and and deal with it head on. When I am in Deluluville, and I love being Delulu because being delusional <laughs> helps a whole lot when I want to do something. <laughs> hey, he was hey, like, girl, Delulu. I love being delusional. <laughs> I'm, like, like, I'm like, what the fuck is Delulu? D- D- Delulu. <laughs> being delusional. <laughs> Bro, being delusional. All okay? over being your delusional. Face. Hey, man, he got a whole new language. Real quick. Look, Look, I'm just saying, be Delulu. And and I say that because, honestly, even though I am, we're talking about authenticity and being authentic, in moments where I have to sit with the truth, Mm. in moments where I have to do something that normal me wouldn't do, I live in in Deluluville. Yeah. Because 
I have to, one, process the truth, understand that that's the reality of it. And then if I can flip it to something positive and something that I can easily, more easily digest, then I'm fine. I'm good. A lot of times, though, after having moments where I have to kind of tell myself those hard truths, I have to also then try to understand them for what they are. Not for what I want them to be, because a lot of times I I will, like Fred said earlier, I will bullshit myself a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, the best time we usually bullshit ourselves is usually when, when you're fine and things are all right and you're not really pressed. That's where you bullshit yourself. Ah, oh, it's not really that bad. Oh, I'm not really doing that bad. Oh, I'm okay. Oh, I could be doing worse, right? Because you have energy to deal with this shit. When you get to a point where you're in the hospital or you're in prison or you get fired from a job or anything, there, there's no other time to do anything else but to be like, you know what? I fucked up. Right. So how do I get out of this fuck up? <laughs> because I fucked up. No matter how it works out, I fucked up. And you got to listen to yourself. You got to listen to what is the truth so you can get to the truth so that you can eventually find your own truth because your own truth actually uh, manifests through your mistakes to create who you are. And like Aaron said, where you can help the next person because to be authentic, you got to be vulnerable. You got to tell people some shit that you would not normally tell people being authentic. First of all, you got to just give yourself grace. Number one. Number two, I've heard a running story with all of us. The outside world has ridiculous expectations that have nothing to do with us. Right. Right. That fulfills everyone else saying, look at him. That's not fulfilling me internally. So part of the authenticity of finding yourself is understanding outside expectation has nothing to do with you. You got to cut that off. Right. And find out what truly makes you happy and then be happy about that. And are you in an environment that cultivates it's okay to pick whatever opportunity as long as you find your own personal happiness? And, you know, and I think there's another component here. There's also this component of fear that comes with being authentic. And in my experience, when I finally made the decision that I was going to come out public about my diagnosis, because I wanted to, number one, raise awareness, number two, share my story so someone else going through it can kind of heal their way through their shit too. I was really afraid because you have these societal norms, you have these stigmas, you have these cultural expectations, and you know, that kind of goes to, you know, fuck everyone else, what you were just talking about. But the element of fear also has to be addressed because sometimes that shit is terrifying. I did not know how it was going to be taken. I did not know the response that I was going to get. And I lost friends over it. I was blocked and deleted. I I lost family over that shit. But know that all that's going to happen, once you start living that authentic life, once you start walking in it, it's going to weed out that low-hanging fruit out of your life. And it's really going to allow you to fully bloom into who you need to be. So in the midst of that fear, all I can say is you got to trust the process. You've got to cling to what you truly know and believe inside of yourself. And you've just got to stand fucking tall on your truth, man. It might scare the fuck out of you and it might get uncomfortable. But you got to trust the process and you've got to stand on it because that authenticity pushes you just further into that healing. The more authentic you are, the more authentic that you try to be every day, the closer and fuller your healing becomes. And you know what can I add to that? When you say the fear, this is what most people fear is that they are going to lose friends and family Mm -hmm. if they become their true self. And guess what? You will. I'm going to tell you right now, you will. Auntie, I would have never met you if you didn't become your real self. I ain't right. dealing with fake people. 
So you have to understand when you start pushing towards your more authentic self, you actually find more people that are just like you. It's like you find your real true people. Not all blood is family, bro. Like you'll find family outside of it, but you have to be willing to say, yo, this is me and let some people go. You have to. Can't carry up the, the, the trash with you up to the top of the mountain and all the baggage. You can't. You got to let some go because not everybody wants to go to the top. Be willing to be, and it's okay to be in that dark spot. You're going to be in a dark spot. Nobody going to see you and they going to want to deal with you. But you got to remember, if that's all it takes for them to say, yeah, we ain't dealing with you, then they didn't have real love for you in the first place. If that's all it took, dang, and, and this is going to hurt. There's going to be some family that's going to say some stuff. But as long as you stay true to you, you'll find the right people that will help you regain strength. Let me ask a, a question here. Active, empathetic, listening, coming from someone, ADHD, BPD, when there is always a fucking train wreck and show tunes and a TV show and and just a clusterfuck of everything going on in my brain at all times, I have to be so intentional about actively listening. And I did not realize that I had spent so much of my time not being a good listener. And I am only just in the last two to three years of my life learning what that really looks like to be an active listener. So what does it look like to be an empathetic and active listener? And since you have found that ability to actively listen, how has it affected your friendships and your relationships? Active listening first, you have to strip what you think, know, and want to say. Most people listen to reply. Active listening means you need to shut your brain off of what you think and what you hear and really listen to what that person is telling you. Usually a person is telling you a story about something that's happened to them in their version. And oftentimes we want to judge it. We want to judge it based on what we think should have happened, what we would have done in that. And then we want to try to give them a lesson <laughs> like we preach into them. They don't want to hear that. A lot of people just need a sounding board. They just need someone to listen without the intent to reply or give judgment. And they want somebody that is that cares about what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And what I and active listening for me has involved me just literally listening to the intent of their story and their pain or their joy. But what is it that they're really saying? And then really just being that person to be like, ask questions. Man, tell me how that made you feel. You feeling joyous? Right. Tell me how that made you feel. Dog, let me know what, what happened in your life that made you feel like that. How did the other people feel? Because internally, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what brings them joy? What is their love language? What is their pain point? Not to use it against them, but to be someone that the next time they talk to me, I can be like, hey, yo, I totally understand that, bro. And you have to be able to actively listen to someone without the intent of wanting to reply, but wanting to ask questions, to be concerned and, and, and be empathetic, understanding, regardless of how you feel. The reason why this is hard for people is because people come from this sort of high ground. Oh, well, you ain't got no money. You must be, you should have worked harder. You should have done XYZ PDQ. You have no clue what that person is going through. They don't need to hear your whole diatribe and soliloquy about what they should have, would have, could have done. They need for you to be like, damn, man, bro, I'm sorry. How can I help? Right. And you know, usually the person that you ask that to, they don't even know how you can help. But the fact that you ask them throws them back like, damn, he really listened to me. Damn. And if you don't need me, cool. Just text me. I, I'll just listen to you. If you need me. Just call me, dog. The fact that you are willing to actively listen, that's all they really need. So that takes time. That has taken me time. You saying it's taking you time. You have to be intentional about it. You have to not be selfish. Right. Yeah, man, I agree. It takes time. Uh, auntie, 
and you have to be intentional. I'm a very optimistic, upbeat type of person. I'm a solutions type of guy. I like to figure out the problem immediately and try to get to the root of it and get past it. I've had to learn to sometimes not try to figure out their problem. Right. To not try to solve their problem or offer them all my solutions based on the limited amount of information that they're giving me. And maybe that's a defense mechanism that I need to work on. And sometimes I need to just soak in it for a, for a little while versus trying to immediately jump to a conclusion of my own problem and get past it. And I've tried to project that on the people and it's harmed relationships. I've, I've come across as flippant. I've come across as nonchalant, as uncaring, as unconcerned about someone else, as a person who doesn't listen. So I've had to learn how to be intentional when someone is feeling mm-hmm. comfortable enough and trusting enough with me, right? They, they've invested this amount of trust into me to tell me their feelings, tell me their thoughts, tell me their, their, their ambitions or their dreams or their sad, their sad moments or just whatever it is going on with them. And here I am trying to figure it out in the moment and get them some quick fix to get on past it and get past it, which is cool to encourage somebody. But you got to let somebody move at their pace, not your pace. And, and that for me is active listening. I've had to learn to do that. And active listening has taught me a lot. It's helped me become a patient person. And it has benefited me exponentially with relationships and friendships and creating positive connection with people that I didn't know I created until they come back a second time. And let me know that they were glad I, they were glad I listened that they, and, and they felt believed and they felt heard. I had a situation um, a while ago where it was something like that, where I had asked somebody for something and and they came back with, you should have did X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, A, B, C. And I was like, first of all, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, that's not what I'm looking for. And I immediately was like, okay, I ain't going to talk to that person no more. because. I wasn't looking for a solution. I already knew the solution. I just needed some quick help. But it, the way they came about it, I was like, bro, nah, bro. What you're saying is partial truth, but you're assuming some shit, which mm-hmm. upset me because it's like you went off on a tangent assuming some shit and a co- three quarters of your answer is wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to vent to you and you you giving me all this shit that I don't want. Okay, I just ghosted him. I was like, all right, we, we ain't gonna talk. Because you weren't willing to listen to what I got to say. You had no empathy towards my situation. And because you up here and I might be a little tick below you just for now, you judged me based on the little bit of information I gave you. So, you know, what? you're not one to talk to. Right. And what you said is important because this person wasn't flipping, but it was like at that time, I don't need your solution, bro. I already actually got a solution. I just need you a listening ear for now and a little bit of help. And you didn't give me either. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not a good active listener. I am distracted most times. Hey, what? I'm distracted most times with how I'm feeling in that moment with what you are saying to me. A lot of my (laughs) arguments and disagreements, et cetera, came from things that were not said. A lot of things that happened in my argument, in my in my disagreement, came from us having conversation and responding to things that were not said within that conversation. So listening for me has always been difficult because I'm so headstrong, especially when they try to give me advice or instructions or anything. And this is this is the part of active listening as well. Not just listening to other people, but listening to 
when somebody is giving you something, trying to impart something, telling, right? Yeah, when they're telling you instructions. Right. In a lot of situations, and I would tell you out, it's a lot of situations, me being so headstrong and so pig-headed sometimes, it bites me in the ass because I should have been listening in that moment. But I didn't listen because I just didn't want to listen because I knew everything. I'm trying to do better. The Lord is working on me. He is, he is you petty bitch. Pastor. <laughs> you know, I'm trying so hard. <laughs> trying hard to do that. I am still on my journey to being an listener. You know, and, and that's kind of, you know, where I wanted to go and, and you kind of already touched on it. And it's not just listening to others when they come to you, but it's also listening to wisdom that someone's trying to put yes, into yes. you. And I think that goes back to being able to embrace the vulnerability to acknowledge the places where you're lacking in order to receive that. But that's definitely, oh. absolutely part of active listening. So, Right. Like everything else we've talked about, going and growing through hurt and trauma, unpacking it, finding your healing is a process. Learning how to get comfortable, open up and talk about it is a process. As you unpack all of this trauma, like we talked in our last episode, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others. It's then once you step and progress through all of that, you get to where we're at now, learning to be this authentic self. It's a process and you have to have compassion for yourself through this process. You have to be willing to be real with yourself as you're learning to be real with others. And it really starts with that introspection. Once you can sort through that bullshit and be real about it and stand on it, that's when you can start moving forward with this outward authenticity. Give yourself that time for that introspection. Embrace being real and watch how it improves the nature and quality of your relationships, with your friendships, with the people that are in your circle. Step out of your comfort zone. Get uncomfortable with the truth of who you are and open up, move with intention Allow your full identity to be on display, stand on it, be intentional about listening, be intentional about making sure that you're being real in everything that you do, and take a moment to stop, turn your brain off, and truly listen to those around you. Hey, man, I want to tell all the listeners out there to know thyself. This morning, my morning motivation, the theme was know thyself. And that involves introspection. That involves looking in the mirror. That involves asking yourself the tough questions to figure out who you are, to figure out what it is that makes you go and what, and what it is that you've done to yourself and to others. And it's all about making yourself a better version of yourself so that you can be better for yourself and better for others and those around you. So know thyself, study self. And once you start there, you start on the inside and work your way out. You'll be glad that you did it and you'll be better off for it. No, that's a word. I'm going to leave you with this, man. Um, every day I think about death. Every day. I said, people, if people knew that they would wake up and they would see a countdown clock in their room mm. every day, and that countdown clock led to the day that you were going to die, there would be a lot less shit you'd worry about. 
Think about this. We don't know when we're going to die. So we wake up acting like we're going to live every single day, like we're going to live forever. And in turn, it's it's our, in our spirit to feel like we can eternally live forever. But you need to wake up thinking, would this shit matter if I saw the countdown clock? Would it really matter? And am I living my true self? Am I being true to myself? Am I really being true? You need to start being more authentic and living your own truth. And if you don't know who you are, spend time with yourself finding out who you are. This might mean not hanging with friends for a while. This might mean not talking to your family for a while. This might mean some isolation, cutting some people off, setting some boundaries. But you got to find out who you are and what makes you tick. Ain't nobody else going to help you with that. Only you can help yourself with that. Mm -hmm. Right now, if you saw that clock, you would find yourself a lot quicker. Right. You feel me? Right. You ain't living forever. So have that perspective in your mind. It'll help you make decisions a lot quicker on what you want to do with your life. Thank you for opening your space to safe spaces and faces. We hope that you too get involved in the conversation. Remember to like, follow, and share our social media. Tell us your story. Share your experience. And together we can make a difference. Until next time. Be the change you want to see.